Good morning, all you rabid basketball fans. Today, if you touch the rock, you better wear gloves because it is hot. My name is Hush, and <laughs> me, as always, is my wonderful co-host, Kia. How you doing, Kia? What's up, guys? Today, we have an episode that we've had in the works for five months, almost to the day. And To the day? Just, yeah, it was May 5th that we had that conversation. Look at, I mean, today's what, October yeah. 3rd. <laughs> what better way to celebrate Cinco de Mayo than talking about your favorite historical defensive front courts? Yeah, don't worry, don't worry. The NBA preseason is here, all the teams are playing. By the time you'll have heard this, every single team will have played a preseason game, I'm pretty sure. But we know you don't care about that. We know you don't care about that, so we're going to be talking about some dudes that played in the 60s. <laughs> Actually, I don't think we really have like anyone from the sixties. Um, seventies. The oldest 70s. player on your list, I believe, debuted in nineteen sixty-eight. Yeah, so like seventies, really. Yeah. Most important part: you didn't need the three-point arc, and you could play with the red, white, and blue ABA ball, and your brain would explode to explain what the G League Ignite is. So. <laughs> So we're not going to be talking about Craig Randall II. We're going to be talking about the greatest defensive front court duos of all time. But yeah, small caveat: not all of these are going to be just two guys, because you know sometimes there's other great defenders. You know, a front court. If you look at it by um, all NBA, all star type of stuff, you know it's three front court and two guards, so it's small forward, power forward, center. We're basically just looking at power forwards and centers, but if they had a good small forward, then wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. You know, the whole front court was good. But I don't think I've got more than two of those. Yeah, Sometimes we have very just few one. of those. Yeah. So, yeah, this is basically not front courts. It's front court duos, power forwards and centers. Should we start with the fun guys and then get into 10? Because... Yeah, I swear. Yeah, so <laughs> every second since we started this pod, I've thought of more that aren't on my list. You could have a conversation like this for days. Yeah, so I'm gonna just give a little intro to how this is gonna work. We have come up with to combine probably over forty yeah, <laughs> possibilities seriously. for this list. Seriously, and so I we will narrow it down to ten each with about five-ish honorable mentions. But, you know, it's a podcast. It's supposed to be fun. The actual ranking isn't that serious. So yeah. we're also going to go through a bunch of just fun front courts defensively throughout NBA history. We're going to, like, speed over those and then get into, like, the real, the real list and honorable yeah. mentions. Because apparently it was May 5th. It was one of the best conversations I've ever had, like – when we came up with the idea for this pod, we were just like ripping off two names, like back to back to back. <laughs> it's just yeah. like, oh, this guy. And it's like, I could say, it, but it'd be spoilers. But we're about to start it anyways, right? Yeah. All right. So me and Kia were texting and it was like, you know, you know who the first one we said was? I think it was me talking about how much I love Al. I think it was talking about Al, Al Horford Mobley. and Time Lord. Oh, Al Horford and Time Lord. I think so. And then it he is the biggest Horford, Horford stand of all time. Yeah, and then it turned into Horford and Millsap, and like, where do they rank? I think you brought up yeah. the question: where would that rank? 
Yeah, because I was, I mean, I'm talking anybody's ear off about Brooke Lopez and Giannis. That's basically what it was. He was like, Horford and Time Lord. And I'm like, Jared Allen and Evan Mobley, Giannis and Brooke Lopez. And then I'm like, you know who was cold like 12 years ago? All right, here we go. Give us your first one, Kia. First fun guy. Okay. Not in the list yet. Kevin McHale and Robert Parrish. Kevin McHale was just known for being on those 80 Celtics teams with Bird, but I mean, he's one of the best post scorers ever, but on defense, he was an absolute menace. He was swift, lanky, very versatile, could play big, could guard smaller guys. Honestly, one of the best forward, big hybrid defenders we've ever had. And then Robert Parrish was just like an average, like just like a good defensive center, which is why they're not on the actual list. And they're just a fun name to talk about. Dwight Howard and Richard Lewis. Dwight Howard, a top 10 oh, defender oh, of all oh, time. Oh, 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 I got some. <laughs> <laughs> I had these guys. I wanted to put them in my top 10 so bad. So since you brought them up, I've got some things to say. Yeah. Literally, uh, people don't appreciate how good Richard Lewis is as a defender, especially because we remember him like we think of, I don't know, Ryan Anderson or Davis Bertans, like Richard Lewis from the Heat. Because he's famous, he has all-star, so we know who he is, and we see that version of him. It's just like, oh, this guy, you know? Like, he's not Kyle Korver. Richard Lewis could play a little defense, man. But more importantly, Dwight Howard, I mean, you said it, is like maybe a top 10 defender of all time. Three straight defensive players of the year. You know how many people have done that, Kia? Like two? Yeah, 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 yeah. And (laughs) (laughs) nobody's bringing Dwight Howard up even in contemporary conversations. Like if you ask, like the way we interpret Giannis Antetokounmpo now is universally better than anybody historically appreciates Dwight Howard, which is crazy. Those for six years, the Orlando Magic's defenses were sixth, sixth, first, third, third, and 12th, starting in Dwight Howard's second season. Yeah. And he was playing in a front court with Richard Lewis, who was, I mean, he wasn't an all-defensive snub, but he was pretty good. But besides that, he was playing with Tony Batty, Earl Clark, Brandon Bass, Glenn Big Baby Davis, no backup center except for some very young marching Gortat, and then like Hito Turkoglu and Jason Richardson and old Vince Carter at the forward. Not, yeah. not Richardson, Josh Richardson, you know. Not the fe- not the feisty Celtic and Heat and 76er and Spur. Like, that's a good-ass wing defender. Jason Richardson, Jay Rich. Yeah. And Magic Vince Carter, who was pretty good, but he's Magic Vince Carter, and Vince Carter was never good at defense. And then Michael Petras, who was pretty cold. But not yeah. for all six years, all the time. In researching this, I found a 2009 article calling Michael Petras the LeBron stopper. It came out in <laughs> came out in late May of two thousand nine when the Magic were dusting LeBron's best season in the Eastern Conference Finals. Not the Cavs' best year, but oh nine LeBron's better than any other version of LeBron. Anyways, that's enough. I just love Dwight, and that was my one marked down that I really wanted to talk about that wasn't on my list. Yeah, I definitely disagree with that oh nine LeBron thing, but yeah, about Dwight, I have him as a top ten defender. I quick thirteen LeBron past- or eighteen LeBron. 13 easily. Okay. I spent the past like two weeks watching a lot of Dwight Howard, not even for this pod. Like I just was watching Dwight Howard in class. 
And yeah, I really wanted him here. I don't think Shard is good enough for this to be on, yeah, on the actual not. list, but Dwight Howard definitely is. I have um, Odom and Andrew Bynum, Lamar Odom and Andrew Bynum. Oh, they wow. never actually even like started together and probably are one of the worst duos on this list. But what about Metal World Peace? Yeah, was I mean, he was more of like, time? I believe so, yeah. Trevor so, Rizzo's probably already gone. Those Lakers could play. Sorry. Yeah, just like great defenders on one of the most iconic teams ever. You know, just wanted to mention them. Um, I had Tim Duncan and Boris Diaw. I don't even, like, Tim Duncan, we all know who he is. He was a little yep. older at the time. Boris Diaw was really like a modern big forward in a lot of ways, especially on offense. But on defense, he was, like, fairly quick. Very smart, like a pretty natural fit for the Spurs and Duncan. I have this is one that no, I'm not even gonna say that. I have <laughs> <laughs> Jared Allen and Evan Mobley that you named earlier. Uh, kind of crazy to say that after one year of Evan Mobley, like, yeah, he's still a rookie, but I feel like he's, it's worth mentioning. Like, especially yeah. moving forward, this will definitely... Yeah, the 23 Cavs would be a legit honorable mention without having to project. Yeah, so, you know, they. I thought they were worth mentioning. Bo Outlaw and Horace Grant. Shout out to Jay Pickup on Twitter for living and dying by Bo Outlaw being a mini version <laughs> of Dennis Rodman. Honestly, I don't know that much about Bo Outlaw myself, but Jay Pickup said we he's trust that you. guy, so he's on this list. Um, well, I realize I don't actually have as many names as I thought since a lot of them are on the list and honorable mention. But yeah. a couple more to just skim over. Giannis Antetokounmpo and Brooke Lopez. There this would probably be more. Online. Yeah, this would probably be more from a couple of years ago just because Brooke is worse now. But for a solid year or two, they're both looking absolutely elite. They fit really nicely together. Brooke being such an intimidating force just with his height at the basket. Yeah, really allows Giannis to play that role as a helper, like cleaner. And then some individual players who definitely deserve to be like like some of the best. Let me do let me do some of my Oh, yeah. Groups. So I like appreciate all of yours. I had, like, I pointed out several of them. I, and I didn't think about this till just now. I think Ilgowskis, Anderson Verjao, and LeBron, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. front court trio really, really deserves to be on there. People wrote... don't talk about um, players to win MVP and Defensive Player of the Year. It's, Dream Admiral in Giannis, right? Yeah, that sounds one. right. Um, Kevin I'm Garnett, sure I think it's that. just those four. Yeah, KG I think it should have it should have been Duncan. Duncan's the best player, never won Defensive Player of the Year. Absolutely. But then it's those four, you know, four point five slash five, and then LeBron in two thousand nine. LeBron was Defensive Player of the Year runner up to Dwight Howard, who I just waxed poetic about for a while. Which is yeah. crazy. Like he won MVP that same year. So of those guys who won MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, not all of them won them in the same year. LeBron mm-hmm. almost did. He was first and second. And those Cavs teams were 
really, really good. That 09 year, they were first in defense. Anderson Verjao's all defense. Ilgauskas got his number retired. I'm surprised. He's got all-stars. I think that's so funny. <laughs> Two-time all-star. Sejanus Ilgauskas. But yeah, I really, really like him. Um, Kevin Garnett and Kendrick Perkins. Speaking of Garnett. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo, I think he falls into your just single great defenders. I couldn't find yeah. a great teammate for him, but his two best defenses, his best defense on the Hawks and his best defense on the Nuggets, both were with Lafonso Ellis as his power forward. So Dikembe and Lafonso Ellis. Um, Udonis Haslam and Chris Bosh and LeBron James, 2013 specifically, was their best. Um, I really wanted to get Sean Marion in here. So in 2001, Sean Marion's second year, Sean Marion played with Cliff Robinson. They were kind of the two bigs in a Suns team that didn't really have a center. And the Suns center was Jake Sakalitis. So if you if you had Jake Sakalitis on the bingo card, Sean Marion, Cliff Robinson, and Jake Sakalitis on the 01 Suns, that's a team. That is a squad. Sean Marion, best defender to ever. Best defender to never make an all-defense team. Please, please add me on that one. I think that shit's so crazy. Yeah, that team was I second in defense. That team that I was just talking about, the 01 Suns, they lost in the first round in three to one, so they didn't really matter. But it was just like a really cool-ass team. <laughs> they had yeah. Penny Hardaway for four games. Okay, I think that's it for me. Um, yeah. Oh, and then, sorry, the 2019 Raptors, Marc Gasol, Pascal Siakam, Kawhi Leonard, and then also Serge Baca. It's a great half season, and then after they did some fun stuff with Nurse. Yeah, they won a championship a lot because of their defense. That's one where it's not like a specific duo that stands out, but just like a lot of forwards and bigs. Yeah, front court. So a few guys I had that similar to Matumbo, it was hard to find a teammate for, or they were just so great that they kind of automatically made their teammate great. In the case of Bill Russell, the best defender of all time, undoubtedly. I just didn't even know who to pair him with. So he's not on the list, but he's the best ever. Robert Covington, there was an interesting, a lot of people would say Robert Covington and Joel Embiid would, should be somewhere near this list. I don't think Joel Embiid is as good defensively as a lot of people say. I know you agree with me. Them two together just never looked like that elite to me on defense. But they I should... also don't consider that much of a front court. Like, Rocco might be best kind of playing that way, but he's not like the power forward that like you think of. You know, he's not like Carl Landry or Brandon Bass. You know, these platonic yeah. ideals of the perfect power forward. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't really think of Rocco that way. And those 76ers teams just weren't it. Like, Ben Simmons and Embiid, you could kind of, I could kind of buy your bullshit on that one. <laughs> yeah. That's a front court. But yeah, I agree. And then Will Chamberlain just didn't know who to pair him with. And Andre Karolenko never played with a real center like that. That was any good yeah, at basketball. But one of the best four defenders of all time. He would be probably he would probably be playing center a lot himself if he played now. But yeah, with that being said, you want to get into the real honorable mentions? Yeah. Trevor Booker, that was a that's a real power forward right there. 
And yeah, Dario Saric was like most of the time. Rich Holmes, if Rich Holmes was a real player, him and Embiid, those make more sense than Rocco, even though the guy's awesome. Realist, is that what you said? Uh, well, like the real honorable mentions? Yes. Now that okay. we got past the fun part. So yeah, actual honorable mentions, <clears throat> the guys that were super close to 10 but just didn't make the cut. Yeah. So one I have here is Bam Adebayo and Jimmy Butler. And then also like PJ Tucker, Jay Crowder. I think this one's kind of similar to what you were saying with Embiid and Rocco, where this just doesn't feel like a real front court. There's no like big body. And then power forward duties were shared between three different guys. But man, that's like a suffocating defense. Bam, Butler, Crowder. That's just like switchability that you'll never see like anyone. Yeah. Really, from big no, yeah, slash forwards. Ruthless. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. That's like a small forward center. Yeah. But like. Yeah, like Bam himself is kind of like a power forward ish but like not really they're just, they're just hard yeah. to pin down but jimmy yeah. butler to me probably like a top five non-big defender of all time so yeah i thought they were worth mentioning yep i got i got full agreement with that and then i have um, uh, my honorable mentions i think are they're mostly on your list so i'm not gonna yeah. spoil them yeah, and some of mine are also on your list, so I'm not going to mention those right now. We'll just get to them when we get to the real list. Okay. I had Dave Cowens and Paul Silas. Dave yeah. Cowens, one of the one of the forgotten bigs of the '70s. Yeah, players were good in the '70s. We just don't talk about. Yeah, but he was an MVP champion. I think he was a Defensive Player of the Year. Not sure, but he was undersized, only like six nine, six ten ish. Just like ferocious. I mean, like, he was just everywhere on the court all at once. He played a lot of minutes, was really high energy. And then Paul Silas was older at this point, but he was known as one of the the best, like, defensive forwards of his era. So I thought they were worth mentioning. David Robinson and Dennis Rodman. Yep. This one could be higher, but they didn't play that weird. much together. Yeah, yeah this only two one. years. You want to take this one? Yeah, so we didn't really want to use David Robinson twice because if you're enjoying this pod, then you can guess David Robinson is going to be in our top 10 somewhere with someone who's a better defender than Rodman. And like we were saying, he only played two years with Rodman and neither of those teams were top five defenses. So it's a case, and it's really hard to balance this, the limited amount of defensive metrics, where we can be like, yeah, like Robinson, top 10 defender, defending center of all time, Rodman, top five, if not best, non-big defender of all time. So that should be number one. But like, yes and no, because they weren't actually that, all of that in real life when it actually happened. So it's just weird. And like we said, we don't want Admiral blank, Admiral blank two times. And based on what they actually produced, I don't know if they're as good as the 10 people that we have, which stinks because it kind of ruins where I have Dennis Rodman, Luke Longley. (laughs) Who do you, who did you have higher Luke Longley or Bill Cartwright? 
I have no idea. I'm <laughs> <gonna be laughs> completely honest with you. And then two yeah. more real honorable mentions. 2020, AD, and LeBron. It was a year everything clicked. In, oh, and then also with like Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee also. But they were at their best when it was AD and LeBron. Kuzma. Nah, it's okay. Kuzma. <laughs> he was a power forward because LeBron was point guard. Yeah, yeah, sure. So <laughs> a, AD uh, in 2020 was, in my opinion, one of the best defenders I've ever seen. Period, really. Especially in the playoffs, he turned up a whole ge- a whole nother gear. LeBron has been up and down defensively since his second stint in Cleveland, but since he left Miami, I would say 2020 was his best season defensively. It all just kind of came together with Frank Vogel's schemes and everything. To, I mean, they were championship defense. They were really like incredible. And yeah, I just want to talk about AD because he's my favorite defender of all time. I really loved watching this 2020 defense. I think it's definitely a contender for this list. And then last honorable mention, unless you have someone else, I have Dave Debouchere and Willis Reed. Dave was, by a lot of people that watched basketball at the time and still watch it now, considered like a modern forward from the 70s. A lot of people say he's kind of like the first 3 and D forward, except the three-point line didn't exist at the time. He's he's described in kind of that like Andre Karolenko, Bobby Jones, uh, Sean Marion mold of defender. Those like bigger forwards that just take up so much space and are like monstrous as help defenders. And then yeah, Willis Reed right there. Yeah, everyone loves those guys. The game and records, then, man. Yeah, and Getting Willis Reed. Soon. He doesn't have the wingspan, but it's yeah. okay. He's He'll be the best on-ball defender. He's got the heart. (laughs) (laughs) And Willis Reed, just like a big rim protector, like a great pairing with Dave. Um, Yeah, two of the backbones of those 70s, early 70s Knicks teams that made finals, won a championship. And yeah, that does it for me with honorable mentions. I think it does for me as well. All my other honorable mentions are on your actual list or vice versa. So you want to get into it? Yeah. And one last disclaimer before we get into the list. We did not order these that well. I have like probably my top four are ordered. And then past that, it's just kind of whatever. Like what kind of objectivity can we really really hope to achieve here you know like how am i supposed to compare caldwell jones and terry cummings and dave debusher you know yeah and pj brown and evan mobley there's just we're just (laughs) having fun all right so like please come for me at me on all these but like also let's be real number 10 you guessed it Caldwell Jones and Bobby, the Jones brothers. You couldn't tell them apart if you put them in a room. I feel right away like I could have these guys higher, and maybe I should because their numbers are fucking insane. First in defense, first in defense, second in defense. Like, these Philly teams played ball. I 
Moses Malone too. It was hard for me not to put Moses Malone. We talked about this off, yeah, off air. Caldwell Jones, like Bobby Jones, is, and we're gonna be saying top ten and top fifteen a lot. Bobby Jones is the most underrated defender of all time. There's like he was so good at defense that he made five All Star teams. He was you know, so we good talk- on defense that he made Moses Malone good on defense. Yeah, like we talk all the time. <laughs> About like we literally just um ribbing Zdranis Elgowskis for being a two time all star, right? Because why would he ever be an all star? And it's like because we know who he is and his teams win and like he gets blocks per game. Well, Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones, Bobby Jones, man, <laughs> he's a five time all star and he averaged 15 points once and it was 15.1 points. And he averaged four assists once, and it was 4.0 point, 4.0 assists. And both of those were in the ABA. <laughs> like, he never shot more than 10.6 field goal attempts per game. He's five all-stars, 11 all-defenses, six man of the year. He won six man of the year averaging nine points per game. That's the least points per game of any sixth man ever. Back when... <laughs> Back when six man of the year used to mean something. Back when Sixth Man of the Year cared about defense, Bobby Jones was out here. And Caldwell yeah. played played his ass off too. People probably don't know who Caldwell Jones is. One-time All-Star, two-time All-Defense, and that All-Star was an ABA All-Star, so it like barely counts. But those Philly teams were loaded, and he had to move on because of the whole... Um, who's the guy that parted the seas? It's in the Bible. Uh, Moses Malone. Noah is it? Noah, Isaac, Austin. Oh, I, I thought you were Austin. Up- yeah, Austin Malone, the guy who guaranteed the Sixers wouldn't lose a playoff game. He came into town, and so Caldwell Jones got shipped off to Houston, and that team went from a team that lost the finals to a team that won the finals. Like they were loaded. Moses Malone didn't advance them around farther. He just won the round that they lost. Caldwell and Bobby yeah. like. They were hooping. We can. They were rejecting, man. Dr. J in the middle, too. That's my number 10. Yeah, I have nothing to add there. There were an honorable mention for me. Um, by the way, that was a very clever Moses Malone parting the seas joke. <laughs> so for number Is 10, that Solomon. I have... Solomon Malone. <laughs> Tabernacle Malone. So for my number 10, this is... Maybe my favorite one to talk about, Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors. I think this yep. is the most recent one that either one of us has in the top 10. And the reason I love this one is because it's the most disgusting offensive pairing in NBA history of any two players. Yeah. Like, if you see these two guys starting, you're like, that better be a top <laughs> 10 defense of all time. <laughs> like, the I mean, fact absolutely that... unjustifiable. Like <laughs> the fact that the Utah Jazz in the year 2018 thought it was acceptable to start these two players together is heinous. Dude, it's like starting Michael did. Carter Williams and Tony Allen at your guard slots. <laughs> <laughs> and it like, worked. They had they had Derek Their ass was in the playoffs. They had Derek Favors shooting one three a game just because he couldn't do anything else with Rudy Gobert there. Like it was insanity. 
But in 2018, the Utah Jazz did have the second best defense in the league because they had one of the best regular season defenders of all time, Rudy Gobert, and Derek Favors, who was quietly like a top five rim protector in the league, too. Yeah, on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> the average, I'm pretty sure they're the last team raw number to hold their opponents under 100 points per game. Yeah, 99.8 points per 99.8, which was best in the entire league. They had yeah. a below average offense, and their net rating was still top five because their defense played fucking defense. Yeah, 100 raw points per game. To be on 99, this was 2018, man. That's a yeah. presidential term. You know, it's only four years. That's like the length of a rookie deal. That's nothing. 2018 draft players are still on their rookie deal. 2019, they were still both starting. A 50-win team starting these two players. Second defensive rating in the league again. Fourth in net, up from fifth. And their, def- and their offense was still mid. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a ridiculous pairing. Like, absolutely insane that these two players started together. Defensively, it was honestly one of the best rim-protecting duos of all time. So, yeah, this, this is a fun one. This is a fun one for me. Yeah, that's something that, like I said, even though 18-19 was only three years ago, like, this is Grace Allen's rookie year. That's really recent. Also, yeah. it's wild that Donovan Mitchell was only in his second year. Like, 17-18 was Mitchell's rookie year, which feels forever ago. But also, it was, like I said, so soon ago. But yeah. you would never, even though this was that recent, you'll never see anything like this again. At yeah, least it's... for a while. We're really venturing back into big ball with, like, Mobley and Allen. But, but those like guys this. can move the ball, right? And they can pretend to shoot jumpers. like, And they can dribble and pass it off to the other big. Gobert and Derek Favors played no offense. Derek not even Favors. like not even as a joke, like not even on April Fool's Day. <laughs> like, I just want to say again, Derek Favors shot one three a game because there was nothing else. Like had to, people man. talk about fake shooters. This is the fakest shooter of all time. Yeah, man. Their best offensive player was rookie Donovan Mitchell. And then it was Ricky Rubio and Joe Ingles. Yeah, and two, they made the second round of the playoffs. Like they had for one two straight years. Oh, yeah, All right, res- this is respect Rodney Hood territory, I guess, because he played thirty nine games and averaged seventeen. Like this team sucked, <laughs> but they were pretty good <laughs> because yeah. of Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert. So I love this selection. Yeah, for one year in twenty eighteen, Derek Favors attempted point eight threes per game. 2019, Derek Favors attempted one three per game. 2020, Derek Favors is on a different team. He's attempting 0.13s per game. 2021, yeah, 2021, zero threes the entire season. It's a dead contract. Contract forever. But this is why, you know, Jan Mahimi got paid for a reason. Sometimes (laughs) Andrew Nicholson got paid for a reason, you know. No, he didn't. He didn't. Um, number nines? Yeah. All right, I went first, so you go first. Who's your nine? Joe Kim Noah and Taj Gibson, another one of my favorites on this list. Wow, that was my number nine, too. Perfect. So, 
Joe Kim Noah, if I'm not mistaken, was the 2014 Defensive Player of the Year. Yeah. Yeah, and we jab all the time because he was Defensive Player of the Year, but he was second team all defense. <laughs> and I don't care. That's nothing more than triviality to me. Noah was a beast, dude. Like growing up in Chicago, let me tell you, we don't have a lot to root for despite having major franchises. The number one best, the number, the top three jerseys when the Bears were in the Super Bowl in 2005 and then good for the like eight years after, their three best selling jerseys were Brian Erlacher, the middle linebacker, Robbie Gold, the kicker, and Devin Hester, the kick returner. We don't have fun in Chicago. Like, <laughs> I've seen so many Jimmer Fredette and Joakim Noah jerseys. It's unbelievable. This team, they had nothing but defense. I don't like, yeah. I don't really want to talk about MVP Rose and how much worse he is, like regular Damian Lillard. But those Bulls defenses were built on Noah. All these players that we think about as amazing defenders. Like they're all really good, but Noah was unique. And this this was your selection, so I don't mean to take it from you, but like, well, it was also your selection. It was also your selection. So take the reins because you you had these guys first, like when we were talking before the hand. Anyways, what do you like so much about Noah and Taj? I mean, well, so first of all, Taj came off the bench the majority of the time, but doesn't matter. Um. He, I mean, for as much as we're talking about Joe Kim Noah, Taj Gibson is also just like a very sound defender. He's a good rebounder. He's great positionally, fairly mobile. He's not that tall, but he's like a presence around the rim. Really just a perfect fit, perfect mesh with Joe Kim Noah. And then, like you said, Joe Kim Noah is honestly just one of the like, I don't know, 15 to 20 best defenders of all time, probably. He's just 15 to 20? At least fifteen to twenty best defensive centers, easily. If we're yeah, defensive center peaks. Not to be a dick. I I meant like center position, but yeah, center piece too. No center peak. Oh peak. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I mean. I'm not talking about. Career. Yeah, no, like the versions of Noah and Taj and Luol Dang that we're talking about. Luol Dang, man, he's a two time All Star because of these teams. He, yeah, like he was legit on defense too, and. I'd throw him in the front court combo. Like I was throwing LeBron with Ferrejo and Olkowskis. Yeah, Jimmy Butler off the bench too. too. Yeah. Like Carlos Boozer was a member of some number one defenses. <laughs> yeah. So that, that basically tells you what you need to know about Joe Kim Noah. He consistently had like a top five defense in the league with Derrick Rose and especially Carlos Boozer. Yeah. And all those different moving parts, just like the way that they were able to work around. Like, they were the number one seed in a conference with the Heat. Like, the Heatles. You know? Twice. Yeah. Back to back. Like, and one, like, they were super duper young. And then, I mean, they were the first one seed to lose to the AC because of Rose's injury, but whatever. Yeah. So. Like, first defense, second defense, sixth defense, second defense. That's a span. Four years is legit. And Noah was so unique. He wasn't like just this giant rim protector the way that we think of a lot of good defenders. Like we conflate just blocks per game 
with, oh, that guy's an awesome rim protector. But rim protector and interior defender are not the same thing, much mm-hmm. like rim, detector, rim protector and post defender are not the same thing. Like, Joe Kim Noah was all of them at yeah. a really high level. And I think he's one of the most underrated communicators. He did not have the coordination or um, athletic nat- ability. Yeah, athletic ability. Thank you that a lot of the other freaks had, but he had such technical ability, crazy hands. He used his hands so well and the communication so well and his footwork so well. And he was so gifted cerebrally. cerebrally. He reminds me of like true center Draymond. And Draymond's definitely better. Draymond can move better and all of that, but they've got a similar thing going on. And it's a shame that Noah didn't have a 15-year career at that level because his peak was insane. Yeah. On offense, he was unique, too. A great yeah. passer, but that's, that's not what this is about. Yeah. He's just and then also, yeah. Like, he just covered so much space around the paint just because of how smart he was and how, like, big he was. Yeah. Like, he gave himself that extra half stride, that extra step by being there, being in the right place, no lost movements. Yeah. That's what the post is. All right, number eight? Yeah. Okay. My number eight, Roy Hibbert and David West with okay, so, Paul George. So this was also one of my honorable mentions that I didn't mention just because you were going to talk about them, except instead of Roy Hibbert, I had Tyson Chandler. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And that goes I mean, back to the – It's kind of the same idea. And that goes back to the thing we talked about with Rodman – um, for anybody listening, like we're not going to fight over this because we don't really care. Uh, Tyson Chandler, better <laughs> overall defender probably than Roy Hibbert. You know, higher peak. He won Defensive Player of the Year. But I think Hibbert and West worked a little bit better. I think West was better as a pacer, and their defenses were better. So, yeah, like it's – Like I said, Chandler greater than Hibbert, but Hibbert West greater than um, – Chandler West for me and Paul George obviously has nothing to do with the equation but those Pacers teams played some defense people forget that Paul George has like been this good for this long like he wasn't somebody who like was fine and then blew up when he got to OKC like he was that dude in Indy like yeah it's because of the broken leg real yeah. Because of the broken leg, it like changed people's perception of his career. Yeah. We just think of Indy the way we think of I don't know. We think of Magic Shack is pretty good, but it's like a launch pad more than like Indy was an era. He still played way more seasons in Indy than anywhere else. He played seven yeah, there even actually, in four. I think that's actually Great. a good comparison. Yeah. I think that's a good comparison because Shaq was still probably the best player in the league by the end of his Orlando. But we just we view that as baby Shaq. Yeah, and and that's a good comparison with Paul yeah. George, who I don't but think yeah. is that much worse by the end of Indiana as he was in his peak in OKC. But so, Roy Hibbert, that's <laughs> forgot. Roy <laughs> Hibbert and David West. Roy Hibbert is another guy who we're like, oh yeah, like so true that we forget <laughs> how good he actually was. Those Pacers teams 
played as far above their head as like pretty much any roster in terms of talent versus production to me. They were in 12-13, the first defense. In 13-14, they were the first defense. They were the seventh defense. Then they were the third defense. That's pretty good. And Kia, uh, quick math. Who was the head coach on those teams? Frank Vogel. I think. Frank Vogel. Frank yeah. Vogel. Huh. What's that all about? Probably luck. Probably luck. It's weird <laughs> that people just don't accept that. Like for one season. Everyone accepted that he was a great coach. And then the next year, they acted like all of a sudden he's nothing. And the Lakers won in spite of him. Or despite him. It's so much different and worse roster. What is it? Eight Lakers free agents currently, like from last season, are currently not on a team. It's like really weird. Carmelo, Dwight Howard, all them boys. Nobody yeah. has them on a team because they're not good enough to be on any single team. And there's 30 of them. I'm glad we're both Vogel fans because like Vogel is it's a hooper. disgusting what happened to him. It's so that's disgusting. what we're like. Vogel is a hooper and Yamahimi got paid for a reason. That's <laughs> like, sorry, Rodney Stuckey, Lavoy Allen. People don't know you, but I love you. I can't believe – I'm sorry. Roy Hibbert and David West played defense. Roy Hibbert especially. I think David West just happened to be his best um, compatriot. And David West was yeah. kind of old on these Pacers teams too. Like he played four years, three years during that run, and then he left for the 15-16 year. And he was like really good. Yeah, it's kind of like – it's kind of like Duncan and Boris Dia or Taj and Joe Kim, where you have like the one like real defensive centerpiece who like really takes it away. And then just a good player, like a good defender that fits very well next to him. And yeah, that centerpiece is Hibbert. And then the because one that fits is David. I really like these two because they're not much like, even though they're not unconventional, all the other groupings that we have. Because they're not a duo that's like David Robinson and Tim Duncan, where it's, you know, that's a big center who plays center, conventional center. And that's a big power forward, regular power forward, plays conventional power forward. Like Roy Hibbert was a conventional rim protector, even though he wasn't a 10 shots blocked per game guy. Even though he was like in the mid twos, he wasn't just this uh, sideline to sideline eraser. And David West had the lateral quickness to free Roy Hibbert up to the point where while he wasn't a roamer, he could go and get blocks and not be afraid to go and do his thing. Exactly. And West had the closing speed as well as the low enough center of gravity to stop himself, I think is the best way to describe it, where players can't attack closeouts from David West even though he's large and he's fat because of his stop and go and his coordination with Roy Hibbert. And then Paul George, man, so good. So good at everything. Y'all know the menace that Paul George is, especially with his prime and his athleticism. But this isn't the Paul George pod. Um, I think those Pacers defenses were amazing. They're a lot like the way that those Jazz teams sucked, but were pretty good, except they had Paul George, so they sucked and also could play in the playoffs. Exactly. And so... 
I kind of think it boils down to Hibbert being perfectly unlocked. And it goes the other way too, because Hibbert was never this good besides that, because he had Vogel and he had David West. And so it's not ranking the two players that played together, like we were talking about with Admiral and Rodman. It's the front court itself. And that front court was impossible to score on, man. Yeah. Think about think about the perimeter terrors of LeBron James and Dwayne Wade and 27 points per game, Chris Bosh. They got taken seven by this team who wasn't that good because this front court was this good at defense. That's mm-hmm. my number, whatever that was, eight. Eight. Ironically enough about what you said about comparing them to the Jazz is Paul George lost to that Jazz team in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. But anyway, moving past that, my eight, and I know you have them on your list too. Wait, when? 2018. Thunder, Paul George, the Jazz. Okay, okay. I, for some reason, was thinking of the um, conference semifinals last year. And then all I could think of was MVP Paul George getting waved goodbye by Dame. Yeah, fucking Jazz, man. They're weird. Jazz are weird. Yeah. Two years in OKC, man. What we were what we were robbed of. Go ahead, number eight. Yeah, and by the way, I think we should probably start speeding these up since we're trying to keep it under an hour, which we won't, but <laughs> we're on forty five already, so it's Yeah. We should so definitely my make number haze. eight. I was very yeah. conscious of that. I was watching myself go way too long that whole last one. It's all good. So Draymond Green, Andrew Bogut, that's my number mm-hmm. eight. We all know what Draymond is. This is kind of the opposite of the last ones where we said there's like the centerpiece and then someone who just fits well. And the centerpiece is like this towering big and then a mobile forward. Yeah. In this case, Draymond is obviously the centerpiece, the yeah, mobile forward of all ever. time. Yeah. The mobile yeah. forward of all time. And then, I mean, I don't need to explain what he does. The best communicator ever kind of like outside of Bill Russell uh, one of the most versatile defenders ever, one of the smartest team defenders ever. One of I think the, the most defenders. versatile defender ever. Yeah, very possibly. One of the most well, – just one of the best defenders ever, really. That's all you need to yeah. say. I think um, the most best way I can frame Draymond as a defender is he's easily the best floor-raising defender of any non-big, and that will never Even ever – most big. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, he's a top 10 floor racing defender ever, probably. And that might be conservative. I can't say. I think it is, though. And he's probably the only non-big in the top, like, 30-plus. Like, and then you get to Bobby Jones and Kirilenko. And it's just insane the rim protection he provides without even being at center sometimes. Because of what you're saying, his communication, his wingspan his intelligence, his forethought. Anticipation. And the fact that he's not even really athletic or big. And then it's so insane. He's so good. And then Bogut. Yeah. So you have all that. And if you if you were to say like there's any flaw with Draymond Green, it's size and not great athleticism. And while Bogut isn't a great athlete himself, he was enormous. He was just really big. And clogged up the paint a lot and allowed Draymond to do everything he needed to do. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, that's it. 
Yeah. Because... They, honestly, they probably could have been a lot higher, but Bogey wasn't exactly yeah. at his best at this point. And the order isn't even real, so it's fine. Yeah. And like you were saying, the thing that I think is coming up a lot with these lists, especially making them and then seeing how they actually transpire, is what you were saying, shortcomings and longcomings. Because the things that Draymond couldn't do were basically be tall, get double-doubles, and block a ton of shots. And guess what Andrew Bogut could do? Oh, yeah, the rebound yeah. inside of it, too. Yeah, yeah, like he averaged double-doubles the three straight years before he went to Golden State, if you exclude the one year that he was hurt, which he shouldn't because he was going to do it again. And he won a block championship. And then he comes into Golden State, and people were absolutely destroying the uh, Bogut trade when he got to Golden State. And Bob Myers just stayed the course. Tall-ass Bob. And <laughs> it worked, dude. It worked. Those Golden State defenses, I reminisce like they're a long time ago. but They just won last year. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, Draymond and basically anybody. Like, yeah. Like, how far off from the top 10 would Draymond and Kevon Looney have been? Uh, I mean, Looney's not the best example. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Like, of all time? <laughs> like, you put Draymond and league average center together, and they're getting stops, because Draymond's making that guy so much better. You think Looney's below league average defensive center? Probably. I big disagree on that, but I think he, that's I not think what he's, the pod's about. I think he's small, and I think he's fake switchable. I think he gets the Draymond boost. Like, you see a wide receiver who's good because they're playing with a good quarterback, and then they go somewhere else, and they're, wow, not that good. Whoa, where'd that come from? Like, this is the best defense Kevon Looney's ever going to play, and it's because he's with Draymond Green. And that's the thing. is like, yeah, maybe I'm possible. wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, and Looney is actually this awesome defender. But we perceive him this way, and look who he happens to play next to. Right? Like, yeah, Festus if you want to look Zilli, at it, dude. Look at I Festus Zilli on any other team. You can't, because he played, like, four games for Portland and then went to Guangdong. Like, <laughs> yeah. Jordan yeah, Bell, fair. dude. Where is Jordan Bell now? Did he play for the Wizards? Or am I thinking of someone else? No, he was signed by the Wizards. I don't know if he actually played. I know he was there. But, yeah, like, Draymond is like a quarterback making receivers good. And so you give him a league average center, and we're going to be like, wow, that Warriors defense. Jordan Bell played five games for the Wizards. Yeah, okay. And then was traded back to Golden State for one game. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Number seven? Like, yeah, if you put Daniel Gafford on the Warriors, like, Daniel Gafford's getting all defense votes. And he's, he's getting that regardless. If he gets the minutes, he's, he's like, getting that regardless. I don't think so. I think we overrate him because we're Wizards fans. But he's like he's a fine defender, and that's what I mean. Draymond will do anything. And then you got Bogut, who's already all defense. We got number seven. Yeah, number seven. Um, you're first on number seven. Okay, I have Patrick Ewing and Charles Oakley. This is an interesting one because the Knicks defenses. Like, the numbers aren't all that good, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck them kids, man. Fuck the numbers. 
Yeah, this we're real hoopers here. This is eye test. Yeah, I mean Charles Oakley's all defense, and Big wrote a song about him. Exactly, that's what qualified you for this list. Yeah. So, Patrick Ewing, very possibly a top ten defender of all time. Um, we should say fifteen more. Sure. Yeah, more more likely like top fifteen. I don't know, dude. So the Knicks in ninety two. Second defense, 93 first, 94 first, 95 first, 96 fourth, uh, I was looking, 97 I was looking more second, earlier. 98 fourth, 99 fourth, 2000 sixth, 2001 third. <laughs> yeah, but see, some of those were without you. But yeah, I was looking at that earlier. was nine years. I was looking at their earlier I, defenses, which weren't as great, but then they picked it up. Yeah. Only, Regardless, only that goes to our point here. Game, I think. But yeah, I think you're yeah, underselling yourself. I think this is a really, really good pick. Yeah, I love Ewing. He's one of my favorite players of all time just because – well, here's the way I was looking at it. In his younger years, when he was his best defensively, their defense wasn't as good, which is why I was saying that. Yeah. But he was still all-time great in those years that they were that good that you were just naming. So, yeah. I think it was eight or nine seasons. An incredible yeah. run. I think they had four firsts, like three seconds. He was just a monster. Like that's the only way to describe Ewing. He was insanely athletic. He was enormous. Uh, he was like tenacious. He was getting Bill Russell comparisons coming out of college, which he didn't live up to. But it's unfair. He got, yeah, he got as close as you can expect. Like he had a top thirty or whatever career of all time. Um, I mean, yeah, he was just huge and athletic and one of the best rim presences of all time on defense. He's just like the standard defensive center that you imagine, but like supercharged. And that's really all you can say about him. He wasn't like a unique defender. He was just great at what he did. Yeah, man. He was a beast. He could do it all. He slammed the shit out of the boards. He punched the air out of the ball. Like... Yeah. I mean, you don't have to overthink it. It's like, oh, this guy's a great defending center. What does he look like? Like, it's pretty, like, what Patrick Ewing looks like. Yep. And Charles Oakley was big, tough. I don't even know more to say about him. <laughs> he got a lot of rebounds, too. Yeah, he could fight like a maniac. Yeah, it's strong, just strong, like you're saying. It's just one of those things Big that hands. it's like. Like, any team that had to go against the physical presence of these two in the front court was just, like, really sad walking into the game. Yeah. Like, I was saying, um, was it about Noah and Taj, who I was like, this is not just awesome center, awesome power forward. Like, this is what the, the Knicks are that. Like, Ewing and Oakley were just awesome center, awesome power forward, playing center and playing power forward Yeah. at the same time and doing them at high levels. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's what these Knicks were. And y'all know about the 90s Knicks, man. They punch your shit in the mouth, and they take the ball. They take your ball, and you go home. That's how it went when you played these Knicks teams. <laughs> and like all good things start in the trenches in football, man. Everything starts in the pain in basketball. And that'll never change. And that was especially true in the 90s. And I think this team is like the microcosm of 90s basketball. 
And I'd agree with that for sure. I think this like is just the most classic archetype. And I think being if you want to call that the best version of defense, you know, two bigs who are awesome is kind of like the best version of that best version. I don't know if it is because the best defense changes. But I love that pick. Um, I think you undersold yourself by saying the teams weren't that good. Those teams are super Yeah, no, good. again, I was just looking at like 89, 90, because I feel yeah. like that's when Ewing was at his best and the defenses weren't that good. But was 94 yeah, Ewing, Ewing that much worse than 90 Ewing? Like, no. Yeah, exactly. It's pretty comparable. So, yeah. Uh, so that was your seven? Yeah. Okay. Uh, my number seven, Artis Gilmore and Dan Issel of the Kentucky Colonels. And yes, it counts. It doesn't count, As... but the whole list doesn't count. So it's like... Nothing's real, man. <laughs> What's the point <laughs> of playing defense if they're going to score anyways? Nobody's averaged under 100 points since the Jazz stopped them in 18, man. They're going to score, so what's the point? Artis Gilmore and Dan Issel are – were either of them top 75? They had to be because they would have been top 50 in, like, 1990, right? Whenever that yeah, was. Artis Gilmore. 1997. Um, I feel like Artis Gilmore was. But so, Artis Gilmore <laughs> and Dan Issel. Big. Two big fucking dudes – the Kentucky Colonels are the best ABA team, and nobody like talks about them at all. Let alone like, oh, who's the best ABA team? We don't give a fuck about the ABA at all. I don't know why. And the Kentucky Colonels were the best team, and Artis Gilmore was like the best player, and Dan Issel was like the other best player, and they were so damn unbelievable. Listen to Artis Gilmore's numbers. His rookie year in 1971-72 he won rookie of the year and he won mvp and he played in 84 games he averaged <laughs> 24 points i'll do the exact 23.8 points 17.8 rebounds 5.0 blocks 59.8% from the field led the entire league in field goal percentage while winning mvp getting usage like that that's pretty 43. good. 43.6 minutes per game. 43.6 minutes per game. The most blocks in ABA history. He has a rookie. Didn't miss a damn game. And those Kentucky Colonels, by the way, they won 68 and 16. Number one defense. Next year, number one defense. Next year, number two defense. Next year, oh, what's that? The number one defense? Next year, number two defense. ABA dissolves. <laughs> that's artist gilmore's aba career unbelievable freak like 7-2 240 looks even bigger he looks Seven, like if you pic- if yeah if you picture aba center without even knowing who artist gilmore is that's what your brain thinks is artist gilmore and damn he was so good five times all defense like I said, those block numbers are unbelievable and authentic. The whole defenses were built around him. And then who is his front court mate? Oh, that's right. Dan Issel. Daniel Paul <laughs> Issel, one of the greatest college players of all time, too, from Kentucky. Shout out to Batavia, Illinois. 
put me on the map. He was pretty good. I mean, right? So before they got Artis Gilmore, he was playing center, and he won the scoring title as a rookie. And then the next year, they draft Artis Gilmore, and he averages more points per game but doesn't get the scoring title anymore, which, you know, it is what it is. And they don't record blocks yet, so we don't know what his block numbers were until Artis Gilmore came in, and they weren't that good. And I won't pretend that Dan Issel was this amazing defender, but it's kind of like what we were talking about with Dikembe's best teammate being Lafonso Ellis. Um, what was one that you had? Uh, I don't even know. We were talking about oh, Bill Russell. Yeah, Artis yeah, Gilmore yeah. is not Russell, as good a defender as Bill well, Russell, but like talking about the impact of guys like Dikembe Mutombo, and then he's better than the guys like Marcus Camby and Tyson Chandler. He was like that. Dan Issel was like an absolute vacuum too. Combined, they averaged 29, almost 30 rebounds uh, in 1971-72. That doesn't even make sense. Like, teams are averaging like 40. <laughs> Starting front court. Yeah. They're, you did not get an offensive rebound on this team. Period. And they blocked everything, and you couldn't get a good shot. So you were missing, and you weren't getting a close miss. So you couldn't get that rebound anyways. Kentucky Colonels, they count. They're valid. ABA is real. It happened. 8.1 net rating? (laughs) 8.1 net rating in Artis Gilmore's rookie year. I think that'd be like sixth all-time in the NBA. Not that that's comparable, but that just gives you a level of how dominant the Colonels were. Hubie Brown, by the way. Last thing I'm going to say on the Colonels. Hubie Brown was the head coach of these teams. From TV, <laughs> the old guy. I never knew he coached. I never knew he coached, but that explains it. Because yeah. he's actually at like 97 years old, one of the best yeah. broadcasters. Yeah. Okay, like so. 1975 ABA champion. That's his first head coaching gig. He was 41 in 1975 <laughs> already. <laughs> and he won champion as his first year. That was a lot, but yeah. it doesn't really like overlap with anything else. So there was too much exposition, and I apologize. Artis Gilmore, Dan Issel, Kentucky Colonels, best ABA team. So number six, we each have one more duo, I think, that we're each really passionate about. Um, but we also just crossed an hour, so let's try to get through this. All right, these guys are more famous, so we'll have to talk about them less, which is easier, honestly. Yeah, so number six, who did you have? Um, my other longest one, so I'll have to keep yeah. them a lot shorter. Bob Lanier, Terry Cummings, Alton Lister, the 1980s Bucks as a whole. So that was a mouthful. Alton Lister was the power forward. Bob Lanier and then Terry Cummings were the centers. For these 1980s bucks, Alton Lister's like absolutely nobody. You've got no reason to have heard about him. He wasn't that crazy. <laughs> he never made an all-defense team. But that was the front court. And those 80s bucks defenses were in fucking insane. Every single year of the 1980s, all 10 seasons, the Bucks had a top six defense. The whole decade. That's like not even fathomable. That's like something that could probably never happen again unless you had all of Mark Eaton and all of Frank Vogel's whole careers. 
at the same time together. And so they did that <laughs> except for one year when they were eighth. They were the number one defense in 1984 and 1985. Their defensive ratings were crazy. Everything translated. And yeah, uh, Sidney Moncrief, we know. Everybody knows. But it starts in the paint. And it starts with Alden Lister. Yeah, uh, Bob Lanier, rest in peace. I think he's only the third NBA MVP to ever die, which is fucking insane, dude. It yeah, was it's Wilt. crazy how young it is. It's Wilt, and the other one was Kobe, which he died, um, like he was late. He didn't die of natural causes or anything. Yeah. And then Lanier, who just died. And yeah, he actually like, died during a podcast I was doing. Really? With, with Ricky G. So that was cool because Ricky G saw Bob Lanier live. So yeah. Oh, wow. To, yeah. That is so really he was cool. Actually, yeah. So he was able to like give a few thoughts on him live. Wow. Yeah, rest in peace, Bob Lanier. That just hit me again pretty hard. Um, but he was the first Buck center of that era. He was the Buck center from 79 to 84. Um, but yeah. Those Bucks teams, man, they're like one of the greatest eras to never win a championship. Like we respect Don Nelson as the guy who's like got all these coaching wins, but like respect Don Nelson, dude. He didn't win thirteen hundred fucking games on accident. Sorry. Yeah. That that's my number six though. Yeah. That's a know, lot deeper than I could have kept it. That's who you were excited to talk about coming into this, and at my number six, I also have the one I'm excited about. The reason we're doing this podcast, Al Horford and Paul Millsap. Now, this might be too high, but I really don't care. Um, in too terms low. of fit, <laughs> in terms of fit, there's only one that I think might fit better than them, and we're going to get to them. But, I mean, I've talked about Al Horford for so much on this podcast. He does everything. These, what I love about these two is they're both so similar, but, like, they do everything, so it's fine. Like, it's not overlap. They can both – they're both kind of undersized in terms of rim protectors, but both really good at protecting the rim. They're both very mobile, extremely smart, great team defenders, great communicators, switchable. They're honestly one of the most unique front courts of all time, and, like, if these two in their prime – played on a team now that would actually be special like we've never seen anything like that the closest is like bam and jimmy butler i guess but you know uh yeah i I wish Millsap was i agree i wish Millsap was born like eight years later horford too yeah yeah um we know what both of these guys are Millsap, man Honestly, I attribute a lot of what Jokic is to Millsap. I agree. Just as the MVP, the whole man that he is, Millsap was the leader of those teams. I think he signed, what, three years, 90 to go to Denver, and especially in that first year, he was the leader of the team. Mm -hmm. And, like, Jokic has taken away a couple skills very clearly from Millsap about keeping his hands low and wide, how to, like, put his ass like, I mean, center of gravity shit, like where Jokic's butt is, you know, where his knees are pointed, how much weight he's got on both, like all that you can watch that Paul Millsap did it. But obviously he's not copying Millsap because they're different frames, but Millsap, so good. And two other teammates of Horford also. It's funny 
it's funny that you have Horford and Millsap at number five because I have Horford and Embiid at number five. Really? <laughs> no. no, no, you don't. There's no way. But yeah, we want to talk about Horford all at once uh, because Horford and Time Lord also should be on here. Um, yeah. I like that you have Millsap higher than Time Lord, even if it's wrong. I'm not saying no. it's wrong, but even if it is wrong, I like that that's what you have. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. <laughs> and, I don't think it is wrong, but like I could see it being wrong. Yeah, even if it is, like fuck him, Millsap. Yeah, and also Embiid, dude. Like Embiid's a better defender than Time Lord or Millsap at any of yeah, their peaks in right now. But obviously, really work, yeah, Horford and Embiid didn't work at all. It like made even less sense than Favors and Gobert somehow. Like, like genuinely, just <laughs> yeah, that's somehow. actually. That's actually true. I don't even know how. It just ended like, up works. Uh, yeah, the answer just, I don't know, just somehow. Uh, but, man, I was so hyped for that team. Yeah. Shit. But, yeah, um, Horford and Millsap, two of my favorite players of all time. Yeah. Just the reason we made this pod. I love these yeah. guys. Honestly, yeah. We talking about Horford so much, like, from April to now. Forever. April until forever. Uh Okay. Number five. Uh, number five. You actually have the odd numbers, so okay. I had Alonzo Mourning and PJ Brown. Same. This is another one of those situations where you just have Mourning, Ewing tier of defender, if not a little better. Um, just again, like a huge monster who protected the rim, like as good as anyone else ever. And, like, that's about it. He didn't do anything special. He was just amazing at doing that. And P.J. Brown was just a standard, very good defensive forward. And together they led some insane defenses in Miami. Yep. The 99 Miami Heat, 84 points allowed per game, lowest number ever. Ever. Yeah. In history, 99 Heat. The next two lowest, the 99 Hawks, Dikembe Mutombo and Lafonso Ellis. And the 2004 Pistons with some guys you may have heard of that may not have come up yet. Yeah, and by the like, way, this Heat team, 99, that was like one of the best defenses ever. Specifically 99, but these guys were teammates for a long time. Yeah, but like in this era where these two were anchoring incredible defenses, and by the way, like P.J. Brown, who most of us haven't even heard of, they were putting up these insane defensive numbers with Tim Hardaway and Jamal Mashburn. That's hoops. So, That's real yeah. hoops. Sorry, I was taking a sip of water. This is basketball, man. Like, these dudes... That's a front court kind of akin to how I was appreciating and loving Oakley and Ewing. But that team, like this front court's like that, and then we got Tim Hardaway and Jamal Mashburn, and they're still the best defense in the league in '97. In '97, also. Yeah, I actually wow. don't think they were in '99. They were eighth, but they did hold people to 84 points per game. In '99. Yeah. That's yeah. What oh, in reference is saying. Yeah, in defensive rating, which is also wild. Talk about pace, dude. Fucking taste they must have been playing at. But yeah, 97 Heat are so underrated. I yeah. dare anybody to talk about the 97 Eastern Conference Finals. It was the Heat, man. Those orange and black Heat. They were 
are so cool. Isaac Austin, Wizards legend Isaac Austin. <laughs> Dan Marley. Dan Marley was a good defender, but again, Tim so Hardaway old. and Jamal Bashburn, and you were yeah. still the best defense in the league. That's all you need to know. I love me some Tim Hardaway, man. Yeah. But no, I'm just talking about you know who else I love? Glenn Rice. Yeah. Poor, he, him and Jamal Mashburn remind poor, me of each other. Yeah. Poor Glenn Rice got cut from these heat. It's only to make his all-star teams in Hornets right before they got good. Probably unrelated. Um. Okay. So whatever number that was, we had the same one. Yeah. Now we're on to number four. You can go first. Number four? I must have said two because I have three left. My number four, Akeem, Olajuwon, and Otis Thorpe. Yeah, well, if that's your number three, we have the same one. But not, my number four before them was Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes. Do you want me to go over them quickly and then we can talk about yes. Akeem together? Yes. So Wes Unseld was Most underrated really... front court ever. Yeah, um, they were just like – terrifying on boards. Elvin Hayes was just like like both of these guys were just better at defense than they should have been. I don't know why, but they just were. Uh Wes Onsold was very, very small for like a big but he's the original Ramon rebound. Like yeah. Charles Barkley at six six is the shortest player to win a rebounding title. Unsold was six seven. And yeah. He got, like, way more rebounds than Chuck. Like, he averaged 18 rebounds as a rookie. Yeah, and they were just – I mean, I don't know. Wes was very smart. Hayes was a great defender. He was probably even better than Wes. And they they led some pretty great defenses. They won a championship. I don't even know what to say. They were just, like, a very unique duo. Wes was kind of Draymond esque in some ways, yeah. but not exactly. But they remind was. me of like a pre three point arc Horford and Time Lord. Yeah, that's like that's pretty good. Because I mean Wes was technically the center, even though he was six foot seven. Yeah. Which didn't make sense. Hayes was only six nine, but he kind of seemed like a seven footer. Yeah. Because of the way that he would score over the top of you and the way that despite having that beast next to him, he was the one scoring on the inside. Like a lot of seasons, Hayes had more rebounds than points because that's the type of guy that he was. Yeah. And for like five years straight, they were top five defense. They were the best defense in 1975. Won it all in 78, won the conference in 79. Yeah, just a, a very, like, one of the most bizarre front courts of all time. But because, like, on offense, they were opposites, like, polar opposites. But I don't know. It just, like, worked on defense and yeah. on offense, I guess. Like, the funny thing is what I was saying about Hay- Hayes being the center is he was getting the blocks, but he was also getting the steals. Like, Hayes was the center point of this defense. Yeah. And it worked. I loved watching them. I think 
Yeah, watching them live. That was that was my favorite. Yeah, dude, it was me and Ricky G. Shout out Ricky G. <laughs> but it's just so wild the type of stuff that would work back then. Because yeah. you had both of them two point nining in the paint over and over and over. And it was totally fine because that's exactly what the offense was trying to do. They were just like, there's no three point arc. We don't know where to stand. It's the old days. They haven't come up with that yet. Yeah, they honestly really like personify 70s basketball in many ways. Yeah, this is Coke ball. Um, <laughs> okay, so you want to go on to our number yeah. three? Last thing I'll say, um, Wes and Wilt are the only rookies to win MVP. And Wes Unseld and Alvin Hayes were rookies in the same year. Hayes won scoring title as a rookie, but Unseld <laughs> was the one who won MVP. With 14 so, points. Yeah. So really just like the most ridiculous era of basketball. Yeah. That... Alvin Hayes won the scoring title as a rookie, but did not win rookie of the year. And then and Wes then... Unseld won MVP they, as a rookie. Yeah. And then the next year missed all-star team. Yeah. So, and when they were team, they weren't teammates at this point. Hayes was on the Rockets, but when they were teammates and won the title, it was Elvin Hayes who lost Finals MVP. Tricked you to Wes Unseld again, even though Hayes was like definitely better. Honestly, two of the weirdest players in careers in NBA history, but truly one of the best so. defensive front courts in NBA history. Yeah, and that's what really matters. Rest in peace to Wes Unseld, Mr. Wizard. I hope he gets a statue. Oh, that's – oh, did you already name him as an MVP that died? Oh, that's right. He's the – Did you say Moses one. Malone too? Oh, no. What am I thinking of? Yeah, I think we named the wrong names, but that's okay. Oh, my no, God. I think now that Bill makes Russell it five. Too. Now Bill Russell too. I'm thinking of MVPs to not be in the Hall of Fame, which is like just Derrick Rose and – it's basketball, so we'll probably let him in for some bullshit reason yeah. because we liked him in high school. So, oh, it's high school yeah. crew. It's the basketball Hall of Fame, not the NBA Hall of Fame. But yeah, rest in peace to Wes. Way too soon. Your legacy lives on. Hope the Lizards take care of you. Um, Hakeem, Olajuwon, Otis Thorpe, yeah. Ralph Sampson. Yeah, that's an interesting one. So, Hakeem and Sampson only got a couple years together. Hakeem was not at his best defensively. He was better as a defender when he played with Thorpe, but Samson was a better defender than Thorpe. So, you know, whatever. It evens out, whichever one you want to choose. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, this is just, I mean, with Hakeem and Samson, they're very unique because they're huge, lanky, fast, swift. And then Hakeem and Thorpe is just the standard. You have the second best defender of all time and a really good defensive forward, and that's it. Yeah. Samson and Dream didn't really fit. And... But they like still made a finals as like sophomore and third-year player. Because even though they yeah. didn't really fit like that, they were just like so talented. Ta- yeah. They're like the example of talent wins out. Yeah. And so with them, it's like, well, you said the two best defenders is them, but the defense that kind of did more. But also they had other guys. I think they're pretty equal. No doubt Samson's a better defender than Thorpe, but because of what actually transpired 
like I was saying on why I'm anti Admiral and Rodman is the same thing here from what for why I have Otis Thorpe. And yeah, that's like fair. we described Otis Thorpe is like he's a little bit Oakley, a little bit nineties David West, and then Dream is Dream. Everybody knows how good Dream is. Yeah. The point is, for pretty much the mid-80s to the mid-90s, they were always the top 10 defense. They had some firsts in there. And it's because they had the second best defender of all time. Yeah. And that's really all you need to know when it comes Defensive to Defensive anchor and floor duo. raiser. Yeah. We know about these um, rackets front courts. All right. Who was your number two? So I wanted to put them number one. They're the only – duo that I think fits as well, if not better, than Al Horford and Paul Millsap. They're just not as good as who's number one, who I think is the clear number one. But number two, I have Wallace and Wallace. Of course, Ben Wallace and Rashid Wallace. I mean, like one of the most beloved frontcourts ever. Everyone loves these guys. Everyone loves these Pistons teams. Arguably, like, the best defensive teams of all time. And it was anchored by these two. We can talk about them for hours, but also they've been talked about for hours because everyone loves these two. Really unique. Like Rashid was a modern, advanced defender. They were both big, but they were both mobile. They were both fast. They were both exciting. Uh, yeah, I don't even know really what to say. Um, I love them. I think Rashid Wallace is weirdly overrated and underrated as a defender. Ben Wallace, um, top five, my top five defenders in some order. I'm not even going to say I'm actually because I'll probably get cooked. Um, <laughs> but, like, obviously you've got, like, Bill one, and then it's, like, Gobert, Draymond, Ben Wallace, Pippen, all those boys. Like, like, did I say that or no? I don't know. Maybe you did. Okay, I I probably brushed over him, but yeah, I've got no beef with anything we were just saying. Obviously, I've got him so high. Um, ben Wallace makes everybody better, just like Draymond. Um, make sure that I want to make sure to not elide Cliff Robinson's place in Pistons history. Cliff Robinson, I shout him out on those O one Suns team. I think he's really really awesome. And while Rasheed Wallace was amazing. They had some success without him, and so I don't want to only, only, only pretend that it's these two guys. And I also want to shout out Tayshaun Prince. I wrote a whole article about these Pistons, who I absolutely love. Um, Antonio McDice. I wish that him and Dikembe Mutombo had more to do with one another. Uh, I forgot to bring him up because I was talking about LaFonso Ellis so much in that Nuggets section, even though the Nuggets defense is, we all know about the 80s and 90s Nuggets, super weird. I think the Pistons defense might be the best ever. And it starts in the trenches. And it's so funny that Prince might have been a better defender than Rasheed Wallace. But Ben Wallace was so good that it doesn't matter. I think we just need to talk about how damn good Ben Wallace is. Yeah. I like To me, this section is the Ben Wallace section in much the same with the last section was the Akeem Olajuwon section. Ben Wallace is absolutely unbelievable. 
he is like the Bobby Jones thing I was talking about, but even more cracked. Bobby Jones has five all-stars, but he was like really shouldn't have had any based on what we think an all-star is. Like Ben never averaged 10 points. He never shot for shit from the field, despite taking like no shots per game because he was just going to miss. He blocked everything, man. He averaged more steals than turnovers in basically every season of his career, <laughs> which is insane. And when you combine those with blocks, he was usually averaging like a block more than he was averaging foul- fouls. So his blocks and steals dwarfed his turnovers and fouls combined. He was terrible from the line and it didn't matter. He made every single defender that they had so much better. I just, I love the Pistons so much that I want to like read the work I've already done on them and then do some more. Because Chauncey Billups and Rip Hamilton were the guards on the best defense ever. How can that fucking be? Well, Billups was like solid, but yeah, I I agree with your point. I I guess he's probably just solid because he had Ben Wallace behind him. I know it's not that simple, but like. (laughs) If they didn't have Ben Wallace behind them, we'd never be like, oh, Chauncey Billups, like, you're fine at the point of attack. Just just don't have Jordan Clarkson next to him, and you'll be fine. You'll be able to play in the playoffs. Like, hell no. These teams held teams to less points per game than anybody ever. Big Ben. Tayshaun Prince, man. Played 82 games. His first six years, if you take out his rookie year, where he was up and down from the league. Yep. Do you want to get to our number one? Yes. So this is a very easy choice. It's, in my opinion, the third best defender of all time and maybe like the fifth or sixth best defender of all time. Tim Duncan and the Admiral David Robinson – I don't even know what you need to say. They're just, like, yeah. better. They're just better than any other defensive duo ever. Like, yeah. that's it. I mean, period. And, like you said, Duncan's third best defender of all time. I don't really mind if you have him higher than Dream. I don't know that I do. Um, I forgot to say him. And by forgot, I mean I wasn't saying him because I didn't want to spoil here. it. Yeah, exactly. When I was talking about top five-ish guys earlier, really- Admiral, so good. Again, we sleep on him because Tim Duncan's better. And pretty much that's the only reason why. Is we can only be talked about so much as a number two. No matter how damn good you are, if you're two, you're only going to get talked about so much. And yeah. Robinson is one of the worst victims of that, of anybody, dude. He's yeah, and I just want to point out. Incredible. No, I mean, that's it. He's incredible. <laughs> also... Like, people know older Tim Duncan. They know Tim Duncan after his knees got hurt, which was actually, like, very early in his career. But the early years with him and the Admiral, Tim Duncan was fast. He could move. And David Robinson is one of the craziest freak athletes in NBA history. Like, no one has ever moved like he does at his size. And they were both really long, really smart. Just, yeah, like, that's it. No one really compares. Seriously, and... like no defensive, no two defensive players that good have ever been on the same team at the same time. Yeah, like nothing even close. 
Because, like, and... let's say Ben Wallace is the same level as Admiral. We probably both have Duncan above both of them. And then the Admiral's, like, significantly better than Rashid Wallace, as good as he was. Yeah. So exactly. it's just, yeah. Or, like, it's or not... Samson or Bogut. Shit yeah. like that. Yeah, like, it's just not... Derek Favors. Like, so, for reference on how good Admiral was, they were the third defense in 96. Without Tim Duncan. Right. Just Admiral. They were the fifth defense, and then the third defense. And then Admiral misses the season, and they're the 29th out of 29 teams in defense. And they get the number one pick because Admiral was not playing. And then they and get then rookie, one of the best rookie rookies Duncan ever. Hits, and they allow 88.5 points per game. Second defense. 84.7 points per game. The 99 Spurs. It's the third. Um, the fourth best defense ever. The third best in that 99 season. Something about the lockout. That we were already talking about. The Heat and the Hawks were one and two. Mm-hmm. So second defense, first defense, second defense, first defense, second defense, third defense. Those were the last five years of David Robinson's career and the first five years of Tim Duncan's career. Yeah. So, you know, supposed to be downfall, supposed to be, oh, he's not good yet, and they were that damn good. And then even without Admiral, first defense, first defense, first defense. Second defense, third defense, and Tim Duncan's prime by himself. Obviously, not actually by himself, but you know, with Admiral moving on because they were that damn good, independent of each other. On either side of the guy being gone, they were the first and the third defense. I can't say enough about these guys. Tony Mm -hmm. Parker underrated defensively, I think. He's not like Ed Jordan Clarkson. At the front, yeah. And people were about by him. the Spurs, Manu too. Sp- I think we appreciate Manu a little bit on defense. Yeah, but he was very good at it. Like he's generally considered like good, but I think he was really good. But anyway, Spurs as a whole, look at them. Like if you want something fun to do, just take two minutes to look at their basketball reference profile from 1998 to 2018, and just look at the defensive rating each year. Look at all of it, man. Look at their wins dude like just the spurs franchise index is fucking crazy yeah the amount that they're able to win at no matter what like insane and also bruce bowen shout out bruce bowen he is there's only been a couple like wings that i've shouted out you know like the front court completers Mm -hmm. those have been tayshaun prince 2009 LeBron, Pacers Paul George, Kawhi Leonard was a loose shout-out, um, Sean Marion slash Cliff Robinson, whichever one was technically small forward on that weird amorphous 2001 Suns team next to Jake Sakalidis. Yeah, it's like the fourth time we've said Jake Sakalidis. Um, <laughs> Julius Irving was the forward next to Bobby and Caldwell Jones. Of all those teams... Like, Bowen is definitely the best defender of any of those guys. Yeah, I think he's only... Was well, I don't know minutes. if he's definitely better than LeBron or Tayshaun, but, like... I yeah, think he's so. There. I think... Yeah, the point is he's, like, a incredible defender. 
And do you want to hear the craziest stat I've ever heard? And I found this myself because I couldn't believe it. I didn't know if this was a thing. I found it. I've never heard anyone else say it. The only season in NBA history where a player shot better from three than the free throw line. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Bruce Bowen, 2003. He shot 44.1% from deep, led the entire NBA, and shot 40.4% from the free throw line. Yeah. That's not real. I'll say it again because I don't even hear myself when I say it. 44% from three, 40% (laughs) from the stripe in real life. And he was taken enough to qualify. Like he had the three point title that year. (laughs) Bruce Bowen, man. He played 82 games, five years straight. Then he played 81 and 80. And then he played 82 the year before that with a 59 in the middle. Damn. He's so awesome. But yeah, he was clamps. He was clamps, clamps. One of the greatest three and D players ever. And what's crazy is he was that good from three, and he was even better on D. Yeah. He, so you, he only played two years with Admiral, though. You want to run through our top ten quickly and then call yes. it? I'll do mine and you do yours. Okay. Bobby and Caldwell Jones, number ten. Roy Hibbert and David West with a sous chef of Paul George, number nine. Taj Gibson and Joe Kim Noah, sous chef of Luol Dang, Carlos Boozer, and bench Jimmy Butler. Number seven, Draymond Green and Andrew Bogut. We know who they are. Number six, Bob Lanier slash Terry Cummings and Elton Lister, plus the Bucks as a whole. Number five, Artis Gilmore and Dan Issel. Number four, oh, those are the Kentucky Colonels. Kentucky Colonels, 1972-1976. P.J. Brown and Alonzo Mourning, number four. Shout out to Shaq and Alonzo. Alonzo's his backup. That was fun. Uh, and Udonis Haslam. That's a cool trio. Number three, Hakeem Olajuwon and Otis Thorpe slash Ralph Sampson. Number two, Ben Wallace, Rasheed Wallace, sous chef, Tayshaun Prince. Number one, David Robinson and Tim Duncan, sous chef, Bruce Bowen, shout out to Dennis Rodman and the Admiral for their two years in 94-95. Yeah, and then for me, number 10, Rudy Gobert and Derek Favors. Nine, Joachim Noah, Taj Gibson. Eight, Draymond Green, Andrew Bogut. Seven, Patrick Ewing, Charles Oakley. Six, Al Horford, Paul Millsap. Five, Alonzo Mourning, P.J. Brown. Four, Wes Unseld and Elvin Hayes. Three, Hakeem Olajuwon and... Samson slash Otis Thorpe, two Wallace and Wallace, Ben and Rashid, and then number one, the Admiral and the big fundamental, David Robinson and Tim Duncan. So I think, like, I don't think I won. Like, your list is just as good as mine. There's no way to win. Like, you could have beaten me. <laughs> I'm impressed. I'm impressed that we had four of the top 10 different. Yeah. Like, I didn't have Gobert Favors, DeBusher, Willis Reed. I didn't have them in my top 10, but. Oh, you didn't? No, they're the honorable mention. Oh, okay. Um, Ewing, Oakley, Horford, Millsap. Is that right? Horford, Millsap, Unsold Hayes, Gobert Favors, Oakley, Ewing. 
Yeah. That's damn. Look at us. I think that's fun. I love that. And I love our shout outs at the beginning too. This pod yeah, was, that was so the, fun. I could keep that going. was the point of the pod. The shout outs in the beginning. Yeah. Honestly, dude. Dwight Howard and anyone. Sixth, sixth, first, third, third, twelfth, with no help. Dwight Howard. Not only is he top seventy-five, I think he should be top sixty. I can't believe we've got I'm not gonna disrespect anybody. So many players. <laughs> if you at me a player and you're like, should Dwight Howard have taken his all NBA seventy five spot? Definitely yes. Definitely yeah. yes. Should Dwight I get Howard love uh, keep going. <laughs> should I get petty with the players that I think he's better than? Yeah, let's see it. Okay. I wish they'd give him to you in order. Uh, I got him higher than Carmelo. I've got him higher than Reggie Miller. I've got him higher than Damian Lillard. I've got him higher than Anthony Davis. Um, and then there's a bunch of dudes like Dave Bang. I don't know. Paul Arizon, probably. Billy Cunningham. Who else is coming? Who else I... Walt Frazier? <laughs> no, Walt Frazier is better than most of the guys you just named. But not Dwight Howard. Yeah. Sam Jones. So, See, I don't want to disrespect all these dudes who, like, are probably dead. But, like, come on. Yeah. Like, Earl the Pearl? No disrespect to Earl the Pearl. But, like, I, Reggie Miller really pisses me off. Paul. Yeah, Paul Pierce Dwight I'm Howard taking, all time. Peak-wise, I'm right? taking Dwight over all of these guys except Adia. Dwight or Paul Pierce all time? I don't know. I don't really like all-time rankings. It's like, how do you quantify who, that? Who would you give the 75 spot to if 74 were taken? Paul Pierce or Dwight Howard? I think Pierce, just because of the years. But I would take Dwight for one season. Definitely. Definitely. Uh, yeah, see, that's like, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just pitiful, dude. Come, Reggie Miller clan, come for me. I just don't understand what you guys are talking about. It's like you're speaking in another language or you're talking like some shit that I can't understand. It's like the thrill of coal mining, dude. Like, or people who build model trains. Like, okay. It's like really <laughs> fun. But like, what is it? Like, Reggie Miller's top 75. Like, okay. Like, like what do you, what is that? I don't get it. Cause he's not. Like, explain to me how he's better than Dwight Howard other than teams he was the best player on, like, were good in the playoffs. Like, Dwight Howard was the best player on teams who were really good in the playoffs, too. And those teams were better than Reggie Miller's teams. And he's better than Reggie Miller. Uh, free Dwight from this, the clutches of stupid people, man. So I think that's a good place to end it. Yeah, that's you a good place to else. end this hour, 40-minute podcast. It took... Five months and an hour and 40 minutes, except it was more like two and a half, three hours for us because of prep, etc. But I'm yeah. glad we did it. This is definitely my favorite episode we've done. Definitely my yeah, favorite episode. Yeah, dude. We've done. And we were like short. Like I, I had to stop ourselves from talking. Yeah, we we purposely had to speed it up. Like the and amount of 2001. Yeah. The amount of 2001 Phoenix Suns or. 1980s Milwaukee Bucks that we could have been talking about. Like, yeah. how have we come this far on the pod and I've only talked about Dan Marley like two times? That's 
that's got to be a record. Like Darren Williams and Carlos Boozer taking the Jazz to the conference finals. We're just not getting to that. We were on good behavior for this, and it took an hour forty minutes. Anything else? Yeah. Um, share this podcast to your friends. Share this cause... podcast to your friends. Seriously, you can jump in at any time, and we'll be talking about cool shit. That's yeah. like the best. Part. I usually, I usually don't say that, but I think this is definitely one that should be getting shared. Yeah. Oh wow. And... Carl Anthony Towns was hospitalized with a throat infection. He lost 17 pounds. Weighs 231 down to 248. When did this happen? When I don't know. I'm, just, I'm seeing it live on the ticker on TV. Sometime we were recording, the news probably broke. So the past yeah, hour but 40. It, but like it probably happened earlier and we're just getting news. Oh, right yeah. Now. If he's already lost 17 pounds, I'm sure it happened a couple weeks ago. Okay. Um, but yeah. Sorry, timestamp guys, 11.30 p.m. So it happens sometimes around then, Eastern time. Uh, yeah. We'll sign off. We'll catch y'all when we catch y'all. Yeah. So no thoughts are hot this week. <laughs> I was going to make the same joke. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a uh, midweek just thoughts pod. That would be pretty fun. Keep it locked. All right. Um. The ball, surprisingly, has not cooled down. Throw dynamic laws are not guaranteed. So wear your gloves while you listen to this pod. Shout out to geologists. I don't. I think that went over their head, but that's okay. The real ones know. Um, yeah. Crystal, <laughs> I guess. What time were y'all born? Leave a comment. See ya. Peace.